We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not right no, now. No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Banduho, and welcome into our first episode of 2024, where we will look back at 2023. Uh, nothing new for you guys this week. And if you've been following this feed, you know there's been a little bit of a hiatus. We took uh, Christmas Day off and then didn't get one out earlier this week. Uh, things, I, I guess I can say now, uh, my wife and I have welcomed a lovely new baby girl into our home. Um, we are very excited. That is obviously making doing a podcast a, l- a little challenging right now. Uh, so today we're looking at the best of big screen sports in 2023, some clips from some of my favorite episodes, uh, and, and ones requested by our big screen sports Patreon group as well. And I do want to shout out those patrons for making it an incredible 2023, um, started to do new things with the Patreon, doing some live watches, things like that. Um, just hugely grateful to these folks, especially our big chill producer level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, Chris Mikoski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Class Stadium Fire, Jason Alva, Stephen DeBow, Dan McFall, Kevin Engelman, Mac Lindsay, Kurt Ritchie, Robert Dove, Andrew Teagle, Rewan Balagoon, Jeff Estes, Anthony Scaffone, and Taylor Logan. Biggest thanks to them and all of the patrons for supporting the show again in the, in the previous year for a couple years now. Um, you know, the, the Patreon does is what makes the show continue to keep going. Um, it allows me to send, you know, my, my co-host Caroline some money every month, um, allows me to, to continue doing the show. So we're, you know, greatly appreciative, uh, going to start doing live watches every month for the patrons. And, um, and also thanks all of them for all the, all the kind messages that, uh, that we received after announcing the, uh, the birth of our daughter and in the Patreon group. So, um, that's, that's all my gratitude and thanks, uh, as far as what the show looks like in the month of January, uh, we're going to have this best of episode next week. The first episode of Big Screen Sports, that does not feature me uh, in what I'm calling Podternity Leave. Caroline and Alex doing a movie. Uh, we'll we'll announce that in, in the Patreon group, but that'll be 
Uh, that'll be a really good time. I'm looking forward to listening to that because I'm going to have to edit it, but um, it'll all be new to me. So really looking forward to that. And then uh, after that, we'll get back on the horse. We've got a patron pick and a patron live watch, which will will hit the feed afterwards. Uh, but let's let's get right into it with the best of, of 2023. And when I put out the call of you know what clips do we include, what episodes do people like, uh, the most common answer was the Wayne Grow moment from Heat. If you know, you know, here is uh, here's Caroline learning a little something about the character of Wayne Grow from Heat. There's also in when when they discover the body and the cop says, oh, it'll you know, I'm guessing it'll be the same DNA as the other ones, which suggests that Wayne 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 Grow has been killing sex yes. workers. How is his DNA not already in a database? I know DNA was in its infancy, but how do we not have this guy on file already? That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good. They're point. They're all able to like get the results back, and without like anything else, they just like hold it up to the light, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, it's Wayne." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will. I will say, I I think it was in its very well, much infancy because I remember. I mean, my only basis for this is the Duke Lacrosse thirty for thirty. Is it's like it's in its infancy, and the guy, the lawyer, basically learns DNA overnight. And and then explains it in court, and that now, was like ten years later. Now this is the at least the second time Caroline has done this. I need you to understand that this man's name is not Wayne Grow, <laughs> as if he is Al Grow's cousin. His last name is Wayne Grow, all one word. You keep calling him Wayne. <laughs> So, so Caroline, when he got into the truck, and Sizemore asked him what his name is, and he said Wayne Grow, he thought he was saying Wayne Wayne Grow Wayne Grow Grow comma Wayne. Absolutely did. I thought you guys were just giving him full name treatment. Like, out of respect for Mr. Grow. <laughs> and I know this is the UVA part of your brain that is like, oh, Grow's the last name. Grow's the last name. So <laughs> Why didn't you say I just thought you were getting the name out. There's Al Grow and there's Wink Grow. <laughs> We've been recording for like two hours. I just I thought you were getting the name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I see, to be fair, I did say very early on I knew nobody's name. <laughs> Except but I think I even said, Wayne. Yeah, I know Wayne. <laughs> oh my god. My, my fucking ribs so hurt. All time Caroline moment. <laughs> Damn it. Oh my god. <laughs> What's going on the TikTok? <laughs> oh. Jesus Christ. Oh, sorry, you guys are so formal. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Oh man! <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Speaking oh, of Wangro, best time, worst time. <laughs> I think we can uh, we can sunset our rule about no one who died qualifies yeah. for worst time because if if no one who died qualifies for worst time, we're at Slim Pickens in this movie. Yeah. Um. Although, if we if we stick to that rule, um. Pacino's wife had a pretty terrible time. Well, here, I mean, here's the question. Did anyone have a good time? Anyone in this movie? Did Hank Azaria have a good time? 
No. I think Sizemore had a good time. Like I know he shot. He went out doing like, what he loved. He is doing what he like. That is true. Deacting, Taking a child you know. hostage and yeah, like going out he, on a job, getting the yeah, juice. Like, and he doesn't have. Yeah, like it's not. I don't want that day, but I understand why he would have liked it. That's um, fair. I think in like when she looks back, she will be happy with the way things went that she didn't end up with De Niro. <laughs> Uh, for Edie, <laughs> oh, but she, she had a pretty no. terrible time. Oh, but looking oh, back, she'd be like, you know what, I did dodge but, a bullet. But but you know what, she she can't even like pat herself on the back for that because that's no. not even a choice she made. No, he walked not. away. Yeah. So he in, was like, in, what is what nah. does she do? Because she has seemingly like quit her jobs and like packed up her place. She's got this car that isn't hers. She's got these fake documents. Honestly, I think she hotel. should just go to the airport. And get on the plane. Like Dude, go to New Zealand. Voight tells her, like the Voight tells him the plane is there. Like, I think she knows that like the plane is there. I would just go. She just meets John just, Voight and I would New just Zealand. like go to New Zealand and start over. And just say, Honestly. Yep. Yes. Caroline, There's no internet really. You can just start over. <laughs> I can't believe we haven't connected this yet, but at this exact same time, John Voigt with this hair and all this stuff is supposed to be married to Claire from Mission Impossible. So this is the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, correct. Yeah, no notes. Okay, that is hands down one of my favorite moments in the history of the show. It is the hardest I think we've ever laughed. I had to cut out some laughter in that. That, that went on for longer of us not talking and just laughing. So... Um, shout out to the movie Heat. Shout out to uh, Caroline and Ryan. Shout out to Wayne Grow. Uh, next up is from our Mission Impossible episode with Caroline and her uh, for the water cooler co-host Matt Scalisi. Uh, we were talking Mission Impossible and specifically talking about the internet usage in Mission Impossible. The internet way back in the '90s, the the dawning of the internet. Uh, for three down, uh, I don't really have three. I just I want to use this this time to talk about just the internet in general and how he approaches it. Just really yeah. the how he finds Max is one of the funniest things that has ever happened in cinema. <laughs> yes, especially when he types in Max.com. I wonder if this arms <laughs> dealer has, has secured the domain. For this. Come, please come shop online. Maybe she has a Shopify link for her arms. <laughs> Look, <laughs> this literally is pretty much how we use the internet in 1996, though. I mean, it's it's like I, I can for sure remember being like, I'm interested in a topic. I'm going to go into AOL into a browser window and type the word that I'm interested in. And <laughs> You know, like I, I will say email was was not too far off. They're basically instant messaging is what they're doing. Yeah. But they, I like the they graphics were like the thing would email. spin around and like disappear. <laughs> yeah, but like very, very early instant messaging. And like when when were we all doing that? Like ninety-four? Is that really when it was super popular? Like a couple of years before this, maybe? When were like we on AIM? on AIM? Yeah. Uh like two thousand, ninety eight, two thousand. I, I mean, I don't think I was I had on. Until like, I was I, on AOL, instant messaging people in fourth grade, so I know it was working in '94. Oh, man, I don't think I had an AIM username until like ninth grade. I yeah, know, maybe. I think I got it like but, third but yeah, or fourth I mean, grade. 
so that, that it is up. so is he is he looking up is he like is he searching bible passages on the internet well, he, at some he gets point? into well, the book that's... of job discussion group like there was a yes. discussion group discussion group yeah <laughs> like old 1996 reddit pages he's like it's reddit like the, slash job what is it asl age sex location is that the chat room thing from like back yeah in the, i didn't do chat rooms i didn't um, but it was just like anyone named Max here. <laughs> Any anyone trying to offload some weapons? He makes it happen now. Secret list. Well, is anybody, did, what I never is anybody in here named Bin Laden? That's how they caught him. They just went in. They went into a chat room and they said, "Anybody in here?" Oh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> he's so tall. He could have been hooping. That's one of my favorite favorite tweets. It was, like, it was a Terry Rozier. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <I> was like. <laughs> that's second only to i'm trying jennifer which is probably the best thing that's ever happened on twitter i'm sorry i don't know why i think that's so funny where she's like maybe you should win a game first he's like i'm trying jennifer i still like Um, i still think um fuck him up socrates is the best tweet of all time it's up there (laughs) by the way in case you're wondering in case y'all are wondering there is no subreddit for the book of job so we were actually ahead we were ahead of things in 1996 than, than we are now. We've gone back. Opportunity. In where, terms of our just, discussion group. Where are all my Joe pads at? Was, <laughs> such a, isn't there another? Oh, when he says the thing about stamping the book, um, there's there's just a lot of like kind of unexpected Bible references in this movie. Um, but then when he finds them the second time max the second time it's like job 315 like did they have like a plan to go wasn't it 14 the first time yes 314 and then was it like okay next time we'll go 15 i don't know it was like because the email was different okay i can't get into all the 96 email yeah that that wasn't the verse that tebow put on his face was it Timo having a, a verse from the book of Job on his face is a just very funny idea. Timo, just like the just, phrase for Mission Impossible. Just, he's just, just talking a big about Mission just, Impossible fan. Just talking about like all the bad things that happened to to Job in the in the story. Just how he was the most miserable person, and that's what Tebow's got under his eyes. What what college quarterback would have put? Job three fourteen on his cheeks, but said it was like the oh, it's from Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Just not known. <laughs> Josh Allen. Somebody really into Mission Impossible. Uh, he feels like he, I feel like he'd like Mission Impossible, right? Yeah, he feels like a was the right time frame. Jimmy Clausen. Um. <laughs> but Jimmy Jimmy Clausen would have made it something about how he's actually Ethan Hunt. I don't think we're done doing Mission Impossible movies on the show. In fact, I'd almost guarantee it. Uh, I, I would think that this year we'll get at least one to two more. Uh, they provide such a plethora of content, and and those movies mostly rip. Um, moving on, let's let's go back to Heist Month, actually, with, with me and Caroline talking Ocean's Eleven. And this is just kind of a medley of categories. Uh, we've, we've got the Keith Morrison from that episode, which I, I do want to tell people again. Caroline does almost always right off the cuff. Uh, we've got the, the Airbud category, which was one of my favorites. So just kind of a, a fun smidgen from, from oceans 11, because there's a lot of content there, especially who, you know, which one of these robbers would start a podcast. Caroline, your time to shine. Yes. The Keith Morrison dateline episode from this movie. <laughs> it was a supposed to be a big night in Vegas fight night, <laughs> fight night in Vegas. But then 
everything went wrong. Was it a heist? Was it more? What went missing? Who's to blame? What would be the repercussions as one group of men outdid Terry Benedict and alone? I just feel like Terry Benedict's name would be in there somewhere. Yeah. Never, <laughs> you like, never cease to amaze me. <laughs> you won't believe the twists and turns, but is it what it seems tonight on Daylight? All for heist, just thirteen million dollars each. Yeah, <laughs> for a paltry sum. <laughs> you can tell that we're living in like deeply, deeply inflated times right now because it's like yeah. thirteen million. dollars. Only thirteen mil. <laughs> That's like not even a two bedroom. Rusty Ryan went and got himself a studio apartment in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> that is got the him. best part. Of a, well, it's the second best part of Ocean's Twelve because the Julia Roberts thing is the best part of Ocean's Twelve. But when <laughs> Benedict has found them all out and they're all going around and talking about how much they owe Benedict plus interest, and we found out that Rusty has since lost more money than they, than they made <laughs> in, in the last because of investing in hotels. I just I'm still telling you, like Rusty got a studio, <laughs> Kansas City, <laughs> and then. Toyota Taurus <laughs> in a in a used Dodge Stratus <laughs> with his with his heist. I'm just dying at that. Just like the most accurate. Like we're in such a bad place mentally with the economy. Yeah, he was able to feed himself for a month. <laughs> <laughs> Two months the- after the heist, Livingston was working as a DoorDash driver. <laughs> it's this gig economy. Oh man! Which one? Which one of the crews starts a podcast? Oh, oh, that's a good. Oh man! So okay, so here's the thing. Again, Livingston starts the podcast, but it's not good. No, it's bad. Technically, it's very sound, but he has no charisma. Yeah. So that's tough. Yes. Um, it's tough for him. The brothers start a podcast that's kind of like barstool adjacent because <laughs> if, if they were potentially implicated in a crime, those people would think it's fucking great. Like, oh, yeah, we got these criminals on here. Yeah. Now they're talking with Frank about the Mets. Um, that I think, I think, <laughs> I think the brothers, I think the brothers would do that. Um, okay, roster moves. Who's Air Bud? Rusty Ryan is very. I was just gonna say it's gotta be Rusty. I don't know if I'm like, is he too golden retriever adjacent already? When Benedict, it's like, Benedict gets the phone, he's like, "Who is this?" And it's like, "Bark, the man who's robbing you." The man who's robbing you in subtitles. It's just like Julia Roberts walks up to the dog in the lobby or whatever <laughs> in, on the casino floor, and the dog's like, "Ooh, he's got a headset on." Yeah. And it's like not that old papa. Him is him is Benedict. Airbud is Benedict would be fun because of the scene in the museum. She goes to like pet him and he just backs away and he's like everyone's watching. So. <laughs> so it's like it's like my dogs when they're sitting and they want food. Um there's half like half of our family dogs do that where like if they're sitting waiting for like something from the table and you go to pet them as they're sitting there, they'll like <laughs> Like swerve out of the way, like uh-uh, I'm not trying to get pets right now. Give me that. Give me a piece of that bread. 
what if Airbud is is Saul and in the case that he wants to keep in the in the vault is just a bone? <laughs> just a bunch of loose kibble. <laughs> it's just an he old opens ratty, it and it all falls old, out. It's an old ratty chew toy. <laughs> it's just like no, stu- no stuffing in it. It's just like the shell of it's it. Like, it's like got saliva all over it. And Benedict just like picks it up like it's actually like, diamonds. <laughs> you show on that little like felt thing, whatever. Um by the way, have some fucking good. feel, Benedict. Like Basher's just blowing stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is one where you could put Airbud in almost any position, and it would it would work. Yeah. Like, if he's Danny Ocean, it means we start the movie with with Airbud's parole hearing. <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing the little prison jumpsuit. <laughs> you just see him in a suit all the time. Oh man, he's the guy who's brought in to beat up Danny. I was just gonna say. <laughs> so funny oh that's incredible god can't believe people Mm. want to get rid of that category uh what i know i've heard it from like maybe maybe one to two ever but people don't forget okay before we dive into some more clips we're going to take a quick ad break and then we'll get back with another one we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, now that we've paid the uh, paid the bills here, let's get into the Ted Lasso portion of this episode. As, uh, as I assume if you're listening to this, you know we dove into Ted Lasso Season 3, recapped the air quotes final season. Don't Doesn't really feel like it. Seems like Nick Muhammad spoiled something on that. Uh, but let's go into the finale with me and Alex McDaniel and Nicole Auerbach kind of talking about just in general, how, how they landed the plane here. And, and obviously, you know, spoilers, if you haven't listened to Ted Lasso, skip ahead, I don't know, a couple minutes or if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, uh, but yeah, skip ahead a couple minutes, but here's, uh, me, Nicole and Alex talking the finale. I think as a whole, this season, they they landed the plane. I think we had faith. I think that faith was rewarded. Certainly some nitpicks. It wasn't I don't think it was a perfect season. And like I you know, just same as same as Nicole, some nitpicks with the finale, but I'm still pleased. I still love this show. I love these characters. I'm happy with what we got to see. Some of the things the finale made me beyond happy. So I, I think I think it is a really fitting end for for Ted Lasso if this if this was the end obviously there's you know there will be a lot there but tonight we're going to we're going to recap me Alex and Nicole we're going to recap this this episode kind of just as a you know 
just as this episode where, you know, we can, I'm sure things from the season will tie in things from the show will tie in because it obviously was a lot of callbacks wrapping and some stuff, but we will do a season three or a full show retrospective down the road. Once, once we get the whole band back together and kind of collect our thoughts. But tonight we're talking about Ted Lasso season three, episode 12, so long farewell season finale, AFC Richmond play their final match of the season. Alex, what, what's the big takeaway from this one? Oh God. Um, I don't know if I have one. I mean, I think for me, what I, ultimately took away from it is like if it truly is over here like at this point they'd never do anything else with it i think it's really satisfying but there's also so much room to do more with it and i loved that and especially at the end when we see the subtle color scheme change uh when roy takes over and there are just so many stories that they continue to tell if they want to and if they don't you know that's sad but it's fine too um and i think you know we've said all season he's going home I mean, even when we didn't know if home was going to be Kansas or, or Henry would come there, like that was clear from the first episode. I mean, that's been clear the whole series. We knew this wasn't sustainable. He would have to go home eventually. Um, and it was just good to see that, you know, promised. I got a little worried when Rebecca and Ted were having the conversation. She's like, you can just move here. And I know we've talked about that before, but in that moment, it did feel wrong it felt like it went against everything ted is as a person and a father and he wanted to to be there for his son so you know i feel like they landed the plane for me i thought the theme was that one quote from higgins when the diamond dogs were meeting and roy finally asked to be a diamond dog which was just one of the most touching moments and higgins said and i'm going to paraphrase because i did not write it down word for word but human beings are never going to be perfect It's about asking for and accepting help. And if you do that, you're going to always be moving towards some being better or something better. And I felt like that was just the summation of the entire show. It was about asking for help. It was about helping others. It was about forgiveness. It was this idea that everyone that Ted impacted in his short time in Richmond is in a better place or a healthier place. And he's in a healthier place because he's worked through things and they've all landed in places well, maybe not all, but most of them have ended up in places that feel true to that growth and the development that we've seen from them. And like everyone learned to love something or learn to love themselves more or open themselves up to something. But it was all really about like this idea of no one was going to ever be perfect. And we've seen all of these characters be flawed and they've always they've accepted that help. They've sought help. They've helped each other. They've worked through all these things. And they have moved forward. And I know that there's been some criticism that people feel that Ted is in exactly the same place he was when he started the show because he went back to Kansas, but he's not. He's a totally different person. He has worked through his fear that if he's close to his son, that he'll lose him. He has worked through his issues with his own father, and he has figured out what he wants to be more than anything else. And that's to be a dad. And he wants to be present. He wants to be there. He wants to coach his youth soccer league. Like this is all stuff that he did not know about himself in the beginning. And he masked so much of what was under the surface with corny jokes and bad jokes. And and we know that that drove the divorce. So every single character moved forward. And I think that that was the idea that no one's ever perfect, but you can always be a little bit better, a little healthier, a little more open, a little more loving, 
if you try. And Ted didn't arrive in Richmond to, because it was his dream. This was his dream job, or it was his goal to win a Premier League championship. He, like you said, Nicole, he arrived in Richmond one first to try to fix his marriage. Um, you know, we we get the conversation about you know he gave her thousand plus miles of space, whatever that is, and in him returning, him he imparts this great culture that we we get to see leaves this will leave this lasting impact think about what richmond was when he got there and what it is now how healthy it is look at we get to see that that and have confidence that these characters we've grown to love will thrive when ted is gone because of what he's built there but ted going back to henry is is such a win and and being able to we think about and it, it's kind of a thing with coaches and we we see a lot of like coaches give all this attention and love to their players and it, it's a common story that sometimes a family gets neglected or a family comes second sometimes with these coaches and Ted now gets to develop that relationship with Henry and like that is a beautiful ending and that is what this show was about and we've said it all season that this show is about father and sons and that that is a satisfying you know so there will be the you know, oh, I wish he hadn't left Richmond. And like, sure, I, you know, it's sad to think about him leaving all those people. And he's saying, he vocalizes that to Beard. Are we crazy for leaving this? Almost won the thing, leaving a bunch of nice people. But it's going to bring Ted so much joy and it's going to be bring Henry so much joy to, to experience that life together. And those are moments Ted is always going to be able to coach. Ted said, you know, he loves, loves coaching. He's always going to be able to coach, whether that is AFC Richmond or whether that is Henry's soccer team. And Henry's only going to be nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old once. And we see him thriving in that environment and getting that fulfillment. And I think that was the one thing I think was dynamite, perfect. That's where this character belonged. And I think we said that all season. And so I think we should pat ourselves on the back for one because great, great job, us. <laughs> They said we were mean and wrong. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we we can get out in front of this. There's a group on the internet that is not happy with this finale, and like, f- folks, it is fiction. Go touch grass. Um, but it, I I liked how kind of like Alex, you touched on that this was a good ending, and that it showed everyone kind of in a good place. But it's also it, it wasn't a cliffhanger, but it gave them a lot to do more. Because if they would have ended on a cliffhanger, I would have been kind of pissed. Like I, I would have been pretty, yeah. pretty pissed. But it's a really good ending, and that it gives us these these nice paths for people. We see things kind of settling in. Who's going to do what in this montage? And then if they want to take it back up, there's there's the space there. There's the, there's the natural runway. There's some other things that can come to fruition. I, I think the idea that it was spelled out if they want to take it. And we, we thankfully, as we're recording this, because we had to report it late without screeners, Brendan Hunt did an AMA and he talked about some of these things about like where it is. And it sounds like anything where people get burnt out, they're tired, they want to take some space and then see if they do want to do any spinoffs. But They set it up so well with the note from Ted to Trent about that this wasn't ever just about him and that he wants to change the name of the book. But it it sets it up so nicely for any spinoff without Ted, which, again, we have been talking about for for a while now about what they could be, who they could follow. And they left those storylines open enough for those to happen. And but they also tied up the big things. Right. And like, I think that was really what was 
important and helpful. And I get that some people they're, they're right. Like, okay, Ted is showing up at Michelle's house from the airport. Like, what does that mean? Is Dr. Jacob out of the picture, which by the way, I thought he was dumped after London. I was even shocked to see him. He, still he's in the definitely picture. done. Yeah. Now. There's no way he he's was in definitely dumped. Yeah. He he's didn't, done. he couldn't even pay attention. Those Americans, they can't even have the patience for soccer. And and it's not just that the beautiful it's game. That if, one, if it's your kid, but especially if it is your girlfriend's yep. child who fucking bigly yes. do with a high five to get into a cat, you need to show every, I don't care if he's watching like the dog show and you don't find that interesting at all. <laughs> like you better yep. think that's the coolest thing in the world. If you are yucking your girlfriend's kids, yum, get the fuck mm-hmm. out and you must be a terrible <laughs> doctor. So, so like the thing that I loved about the ending being, as you said, about father and son, we've seen so many examples of bad fathers in sons that were damaged from it. And then a lot of those situations, we got to see them move towards redemption. And it showed like there were very few characters in the entire series that didn't have a redemption arc. And if Jamie's dad can have one and like, that was incredibly touching to me. I I just think you have to prioritize this idea that like any relationship with a child is not beyond repair and they are worth prioritizing over anything else. And I thought the reaction to people saying like, it's just Henry, like, why would he go back just for Henry really are missing a, they may not have children themselves. And I don't, you, you two do, but the idea of like, that is enough. That's more than enough. Like you will never regret prioritizing your family over again, a career that he didn't, he didn't even, he didn't want to be a premier league soccer coach. It wasn't even that. And I think that that was also missing something. So to me, that plot felt perfect because in a show where we have seen bad dads, maybe get a second chance or, or kind of honestly own up to things that they have done. Ted faced his fears and went back and gets to be that dad. And It was so cute to get to see him giving the same advice to his son that he gave to Sam, like all the things that you just mentioned, Kyle, about how much time coaches spend with other people's children, but him getting to pass on all of that wisdom to his own son. And I know that the, the facial expression at the end, not quite clear if he's super happy, if he's a little bit still worried or concerned, or maybe, you know, the anxiety that's always been bubbling under the surface with him. But I think that's real too, that that is a little bit open-ended, but there is definitely a contentment with the choice and knowing that this was a hard choice, but that he made the right Mm -hmm. one. I was just going to add to that. Like I, you know, we've talked a lot, a lot at length about kind of the general attitude toward Henry and like, surely he wouldn't leave all this for his kid. Right. And it's one of those things that I think people have thought in their head, like you're either totally devoted to one idea or the other. And the truth is like the moment the strip turns pink, you're, you come second forever. And you know that, and you made that choice years before you have to make that choice. And so, you know, cause I've seen a lot of stuff like how could Ted just walk away from that? He was so cold and Rebecca crying and no, he loved it there. I mean, I think he wished there was a world where he could reconcile his responsibilities, but at the end of the day, he already made that choice when Henry was born, when Michelle was pregnant, you know? And so it was really, I liked the idea that, you know, maybe he wasn't totally settled. Maybe he wasn't sure if he had made 
um, a choice that would be fulfilling on its own. But I think like him as a dad is all he's focused on. So maybe, you know, in a few years, maybe he can move to back to London with Henry. Who knows? The possibility is there. You're never going to be entirely happy with it. But I think he knows he made the right call. So my wife and I watched some of uh, some of Ted Lasso, a lot of Ted Lasso, actually, while we were, uh, well, my wife was in labor, things like that. And uh, man, folks, if you haven't a while, go back, watch season one, season two, um, and, and then and then evaluate season three. Uh, there, there's still a lot of good there. Um, and staying with Ted Lasso here, we were going to do the episode that we're still going to do at some point, kind of the, the Ted Lasso postmortem, kind of wrapping up those three seasons as a whole. Uh, we had some scheduling conflicts. So me and Caroline and friend of the show, Mike Golick Jr., we did an audible and we did a Ted Lasso character draft. And towards the end of the draft, things got testy. You know what? I am going with everyone's favorite 600-year-old barmaid. I'm oh, going with May. damn it! Are you serious? Yes, I'm going You're with, with, with May. The giver of great advice. Oh, a woman who has been alive since the Dark Ages, just helping people along their journeys to fulfillment, runs a great bar, bought a shit ton of AFC Richmond stock at the end of the last episode. The audacity of this man. Sneaky loaded because she's 600 years old. <laughs> <laughs> She's got the that. She's in, she inherited her own wealth. <laughs> she left it to herself. <laughs> Jesus. Ooh. I am. Ooh. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. I am. On the fence here. I think I, I am. Uh. Oh, this is a vibes pick, guys. <laughs> this is a vibes pick. I'm going sassy. Oh, son of a bitch! Son of a bitch! <laughs> no! Oh! <laughs> Damn you to hell, Carol. <laughs> That might be oh, the moment that, that convinces me to finally learn what to do with all this video. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel great about this pick now. I thought you guys were going to make fun of me. <laughs> she has some of the best moments led by my, and Mike knows that this is the best speech of the entire show, which she says to Rupert at the funeral. How she thinks about his death every day. That she's gonna be, she's gonna wear red to be a beacon of hope for all four <laughs> people in attendance. She's the best. We love Sassy. She, uh, I loved her and Ted together. I thought it was excellent. She was right though that he is a mess, so I get it. Um, yeah, she's great best friend. Showed up at the right moments. The uh, the interactions with the guy at the hotel desk also like the first time we meet her super funny um yeah sassy vibes vibe squad like we're feeling it yeah man and for what it's worth like in a show that in its own way kind of dealt with this in the form of relationships the best relationship with sex i think of anyone in the show yeah. oh yeah like yeah 
very, very comfortable with how she approaches these encounters, very comfortable with her confidence in that arena, just a breath of fresh air for a bunch of people struggling to try and all figure out how they fit in relationship wise with the people that they're involved. We're going to go from that to a good old fashioned regular sports movie. Uh, regular is the wrong word because, uh, a couple, couple months back, or I guess I think middle of, of 2023, I don't know. Everything's a blur. Me and Danny Weiser and Mike Schubert, two other friends of the show. We, we redid the old episode we had on little big league. Uh, me, me, Mike and Danny did a fresh version and, uh, this movie turning 30 in 2024 somehow. But, uh, this is a clip of us just generally praising this movie for how it handles the baseball and all the baseball action. Again, folks, Little Big League slaps. If you haven't seen it in a while, if you haven't seen it ever, go give it a chance to earn your business. Yeah, it was... I I, I know I'm prone to hyperbole on this show, but I think it is some of the best baseball action in movie history. I mean, it is... Yeah. Every, everyone's an athlete. There's no weak link here. Like, there is no... Wesley Snipes in major league. Um, there's nothing like that. And it gets like all these, like Mike said, all these little baseball things, correct? Like it knows Lou could have signed at 17 out of high school. Like when he's doing that, when he's doing the, the eulogy for grandpa Haywood, like that thing, that that's stuff that adds up. This is the stuff. It's stuff like that. The trouble with the curve got all wrong. And this thing has like the, the math problem at the end, like we laugh about that. And that's a funny bit. How many, think about how many like locker rooms, dugouts, whatever, like Mike, even on like your softball team now, like a question like that could mm-hmm. occupy three innings worth oh, because sure. of a debate like that, <laughs> like stuff like that is highly realistic. Yeah, it's, it's really believable. All the baseball stuff was really good. And yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but like some of the actual like literal baseball that they do is like, I don't know how they filmed some of the stuff. It's mm-hmm. like so perfect that. It just felt fake, but I know it's not an era of CGI, so they just did it, and it was, it was very, very impressive. It was, it's awesome. It was good. Danny, what else, what else did you have? What what makes this one turn? Yeah, you guys were touching on it. Um, the the baseball looking really good. I think one thing they did in this movie that's so smart is most of the baseball is in slow motion. Um, mm. So it's easier to make it look really good because you don't have to be going as fast as you would need to go in a real major league baseball game. Like you can have the guys throw slower. You can have them make a little bit more intricate movements. If you're when third baseman's diving for a ball down the line, if that's happening in real speed, it's going to be really tough to make it look any good, but you slow it down. You can't tell that he, they're probably moving way slower. Um, and there are like multiple slow-mo montages, baseball montages set to music in this movie that are very, very good. And I'm a sucker for every, each and every one of them. I have that written down too. just, Baseball, mon- yeah. multiple great baseball montages with excellent music. Mm-hmm. The runaround Sue montage, we'll get into it, is a plus perfection, mm-hmm. literal yeah, perfection. So and I mean, and and the guys, you're exactly right on the slow mo, especially when the guys, when it's like the montage of the Twins players getting hits, like that stuff. Yeah. It means you can lob balls in, they can get good cuts on them. But like, you also got guys who just know the feel. I mean, they had Kevin Elster who played the shortstop was an actual active major league shortstop. Like they they put the effort in there which is which is important and that really comes through and then the stuff that they did have in full speed like like McGreevy actually throwing gas like you can just yeah. tell it's coming yeah. out of there real good like mm-hmm. it it's it's just it's just a delight and then you get all the like the old stadiums too like your old Yankee Stadium Fenway yeah. shout out, I mean shout out to the Metrodome like it just it it understands it 
it respects its subject matter. It doesn't treat the bait like it's a crazy premise, obviously, but it does not treat baseball like a joke, which I, I right. really appreciate out of this movie. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at. It's it's not just the baseball that they physically do, but the way they talk about it is the perfect way of not trying to oversimplify or overcomplicate. It's like just the right amount. They talk about stuff. They make references. They don't harp on them too long. It just everyone sounds like they know what they're talking about and not just like people who are regurgitating lines like it feels authentic from like the way that they talk about it to like the way that the players talk about it to some of the things that happen in the clubhouse like it's it's really well done and as like someone who grew up playing travel baseball and stuff like I would really know and it would stick out like a sore thumb if they talked about it in a weird way or said something that didn't make sense and there were no things that brushed up against me across the whole film. It's my biggest pet peeve in just about every baseball movie is there's always at least one guy who clearly has never thrown a baseball before Mm -hmm. and, like, just learned for this movie. And it's so obvious every time this movie didn't have him. And I was so, so grateful because that always just really bugs the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. And they get rid of it with slow-mo because Busfield rifles one home in slow-mo and it looks like he's actually rifling it. But, like, for all we know, that ball went 20 miles an hour. Two more clips for you in the best of 2023. And both of these... As is kind of the case in most episodes, Caroline just shines. It's it's why we love her. Um, some some great Caroline moments to end this end this episode or end this end this run end this year. Uh, let's start with with Smokey and the Bandit, which was an episode with me, Ryan, and Alex talking out Smokey and the Bandit. And when it got time for the Peter Gallagher Award, we we had to tap in someone who uh, who loved her some Burt Reynolds but then regrettably found out some things that she didn't love about Burt Reynolds, uh, specifically his, his lack of being alive. Um, okay. The Peter Gallagher Award for the hottest person in this movie. Caroline didn't text you back, did she? Well, <laughs> she has not seen it. Okay. okay. However. Yeah. Okay. However. <laughs> yes. While she has not seen it. First of all, I want to congratulate Alex and I for being right about the bet that Caroline has never seen this. I heard movie. you guys were talking about Burt Reynolds, and I was like, I need to get in on this. I have thoughts. Essentially. No, I see that. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if you guys would be able to see her in the waiting room, so I no. sent her the link a while ago, and I was like, "I'm gonna the tell amount, you when to tap." The in. amount of side texting that, that has happened while you guys were recording with me inundating Alex with no. a billion messages, and then Ryan being like, "What are you messaging Alex?" and then me telling him, and then seeing immediately Alex put on the "Do Not Disturb," and I was like, Ooh. "Okay." <laughs> I have no microphone, so it was dinging while we were recording. So I was like, "Let me turn on my Do Not Disturb." I wasn't. I figured that over. was the case. <laughs> no, I know, and I didn't realize you. And then uh, Ryan was like, "We're recording with Kyle," and I sent the meme, the SpongeBob meme, of like <laughs> looking out the window at them like skipping. <laughs> and then Kyle texted me and asked if I had seen this movie, and I was like, "I have not." But then you, you said something know. about Burt Reynolds, and I was like, mm-hmm. good, because I want to tap you in for Peter Gallagher. You should know. If you had said yes, you would have been added to the podcast immediately. Yeah. Oh, I know. We were texting you during ad break, and we were just going to come back with you. With you and <laughs> <laughs> we found right. a stranger outside. 
<laughs> Someone was ran randomly walking by and decided to stop in. Hey, folks! I have thoughts for Reynolds. So, so, if we're talking about the the Peter Gallagher Award for the hottest person in this movie, I'm curious, Caroline, if you haven't seen this movie, yeah, what is Burt Reynolds to you? Um, I have learned recently from watching Narcos, season one of Narcos, <laughs> that. Apparently, I'm very into this aesthetic that is Pedro Pascal in Narcos, which is essentially the spiritual child of Burt Reynolds from this exact time frame. Uh, And that's an interesting revelation for me. Okay, but Caroline, do you know what team he supported in his life? No. This is why I'm laughing. Oh, Ryan. I forgot oh, no. about this. Burt Reynolds? Yeah, yeah, Ryan. What was Burt Reynolds' favorite team? Like, college he didn't he didn't even it's not just that he supported he played for florida state yes <laughs> and correct me wasn't his roommate lee, lee corso. corso correct yes hold on hold on yes. time out time out there is zero percent chance that those men are the same age well burt yeah. reynolds is dead so he's yeah. not any age anymore but... <laughs> no age but like okay he died (laughs) (laughs) all right well bad news everybody this is where caroline learned that burt reynolds died like eight years ago yesterday caroline was in the group chat just railing on florida state and saying i only think about them four times a year It's been like seven in the last 12 hours caroline took a lot of offense to florida state saying they'd made the the acc I was like, what are we talking, like, hey girl, what have you done for me lately, folks? And everyone's like, well, we still get viewers. And I was like, they probably are tuning in to see what directional university you're losing to this week. Like, to be fair, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please uh, don't come for me. He, he, he was, yeah, Burt Reynolds and Lee Corso were roommates. They, they, there is an age difference, but yeah. Wow. Man. How old was he when he died? Burt Reynolds? Yeah. I think he was, I want to say he was in his 80s. Kyle, you got all this on video, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a part uh, of me now that's like, maybe I do remember this. But to yeah, me, he was, he was 82. I don't, I can't even picture him being that old. Like, at any point. That's like, not- you know I mean, he just. He, Caroline, to- tomorrow you need to write a eulogy for Burt Reynolds and post it on the site. <laughs> Bad news, guys. This is going to ruin everything. <laughs> I just found out. Fuck tomorrow. Do it tonight. Just post it. Why is he listening today posting about in memoriam <laughs> Burt Reynolds? Breaking. <laughs> Reynolds passes. Look, we just really wanted to confirm it, okay? In 2012. Unlike the failing New York Times, we get sources. (laughs) I'm going to get a call from Nate at like 6 (laughs) a.m. Just let it happen. Yeah, the call's going to be like, holy shit, the traffic's going insane (laughs) with Reynolds posts. He'll be so happy. Just do it. Do it, don't oh. it. Oh. God, this, this has worked out. With the fact. 
This has worked out <laughs> yes. better than I could have thought. Than I ever you could have not have scripted this. You could not have scripted. You know that the panic on my face when you said like you know who his team was was me thinking you were going to tell me that it was Virginia Tech and I was panicking. No, like, that's I didn't want to yeah. give too much away. I was like, you know, he had a training like sort of. You know? Yeah. I yeah. do now that all of this has been said. This is ringing a bell. This is all. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Oh my god! Please tell me you have the video, guys. I do, I do. (laughs) Caroline, I think you have my Amazon login, and I have this. I have Smoking the Bandit on Amazon. You should just live blog watching Smoking the Bandit while mourning Burt Reynolds, and just walk through. I get back to Virginia on Sunday. I'll just drive to Charlottesville. We'll do this together. There you go. There you go. We both wear black. (laughs) (laughs) Looking like civil civil war widows watching (laughs) with like a veil, those black veils, and put like pictures of them framed with like little candles. Oh my god. Oh nailed it. Absolutely crushed it. Super hot in this movie though. He looks great. Super hot. Like (laughs) super good looking. You should know your colleague and close friend, Alex McDaniel, said she would need three margaritas to sleep with Burt Reynolds in the 70s. Did she sing the song though? (laughs) She she brought up the song, yes. Is this now the scale that we're gonna use on this on the show? <laughs> only for only for <laughs> how many margaritas? How many margaritas? It's cool. I'm cool. Caroline, when we opened when we opened what worked in this movie, I gave it to Alex to start off. I was like, Alex, what worked about this movie? She could have picked anything. How cool Burt Reynolds is, all the driving scenes, whatever. How cool the car is. How cool the car is, anything. And she went with being attracted to Jerry Reed, <laughs> country music singer Jerry Reed. Leave me alone. Now, now hold on. Now, His Caroline. name is Cletus in this movie. <laughs> Caroline, do you know what Jerry Reed looks like in this movie? <laughs> Just from please, this... please Google image search Jerry Reed, <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit, and and to give us your honest reaction on how fair. on how smoochable this man appears to be. <laughs> This was the first thing you said. Look. Snowman, Cletus Snow. <laughs> well, thank God he made it to the sequels. This, this leathery string bead truck. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a sweet vest, though. I do like a vest. Okay, my question is what about my track record tells you I do any differently? Forgot about how much Caroline loves tweed. <laughs> Oh, oh man! Oh, oh Lord! <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so I do think, I do think generally, like looking at pictures of like Bandit, which I recently learned was his character's name in this movie, um, because he would be, you know, the titular. <laughs> this is not. You should know this is not Smokey that we're looking. Yeah, at. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Of course not. Um. I think it's just because it's the spiritual like connection to how I feel about Pedro Pascal now. 
I don't sure. know if that... and there's like like Tom, <laughs> Tom Selleck and Magnum yes. PI is kind of yeah. like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the bridge between these in some ways. Yeah, yes, yeah. the vibes are are there. Good job, good job, Alex. <laughs> 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 um, oh man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Caroline, you can't speak to this because you haven't seen the movie, but I, I just do want to take this time since we are on this when category. Does that stop me? To shout out that Sally Field in this movie, I was blown away. <laughs> Amazing. Blown away. Yeah. She is. I, I I get it. Was she the one who had the Oscar speech? Like, you really yes. like me, yes. you guys? Yeah. Yes. I'm, yes. So I'm listening to that now, and I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, Sally. She's she's also just very charming. Extremely. Yeah. Oh, she's Extremely. real cute. Um, I can good tell hair, you that's a pretty good haircut for 77. Yes. I can tell you who I think Caroline's Peter Gallagher pick would have been had she seen this. I movie. know where you're going with this. I think it's Junior. A hundred percent. Okay. Okay. Is that the one that looks very muscular okay. in the IMDB page? That is that is him. He played he yes. was in the uh, the TV show Mike Tarzan. Henry. Oh, hello, sir. Well, the picture, the still on the wall. Caroline, I've got bad news about Mike Henry, also dead. <laughs> he died two years ago. No. Caroline's lost so much tonight. <laughs> there was actually IMDb trivia about this, that the only living main characters are Sally Field and Little Enos. Everyone else is dead. Jackie Gleason's dead? Oh, no. <laughs> Listen, this has been a tough night, and I feel like Ryan's mocking me at this point. I like how all of us have just adopted his way of speaking because whenever we feel sort of defensive, we're like, "Listen, listen, listen." Caroline, I think you should just stay on for the rest of the show. We're not really going to spoil anything, anyways. This isn't a very spoilable movie. I don't want to find out who Smokey is. That's what I'm going to watch for. Wait, 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 wait. Who do you think Smokey is? Yeah, who do you think? Smokey and the bandit, right? It's an and. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wait, not a, a question. Not a, not a, not I just need to know. Smokey on the band. In the band. That's the porn parody. Smokey on the band. <laughs> Caroline, so you know, you know, Burt Reynolds is in it. You know, there's a character named Cletus Snowman, Snowman that, Snow. You know, Sally Alex Fields loves. in it, and you know yeah. it's titled Smokey and the Bandit. What do you think this movie is about? What do you think the um, plot is in like three sentences? I think that the Bandit is a lovable uh, ruffian who has gotten into some some sort of low level criminal activity that is trying to escape the law, uh, and. He either already knew Sally Field or meets her along the way, and they form a little love-hate connection where she can't stand him at first, but then falls for his charms because he's got that mustache. Uh, and is Smokey the car? <laughs> that is such. You were doing so good. That's, that's really no, good. That's a really good guess. That's a, like a you you almost completely nailed it. Like there's the love hate thing isn't really there. They almost yeah. immediately are like, oh, we're into each other. Okay, cool. That's fair. I was um, going to Hallmark in that where it's like they have to have some tension no, first. Right, so what's the right, point? Right. But, going but, to yeah. Otherwise, that's like a very good summary. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap up with a clip from one of Caroline's favorite movies, While You Were Sleeping, where we have a Peter Gallagher award in a movie that features Peter Gallagher. Yeah. Okay. 
the Peter Gallagher Award for the hottest person in this movie. Wow. This is tough, you guys. Wow. So, okay, first of all, what is your, how hot do you think Peter Gallagher was in this movie? Like, how does he rate for you? Is this the hottest he's been in a film? No. Really? Okay. I think, I think, Nat, like, like Palm Springs Peter Gallagher is, I think, handsomer than 90s Peter Gallagher. He is like wow. north okay. of 65 in Palm Springs. Okay, relax. <laughs> Hold on. For, for, the record, for the record, Kyle is merely stating a fact. <laughs> well, okay, we can even go as far. And you are projecting. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what if I was like Peter Boyle? Oh my God. You know what? That's fine. Wait, wait, who's, all right, here's a fun game I want to play. Kyle, I need your help okay. with this. Who oh, is God. older? Peter Boyle in this film or Peter Gallagher in Palm Springs? Okay. <laughs> That's a great All right. question. Okay, Peter Gallagher in Palm Springs, I believe. There, you look up that one and I'll look up Peter okay. Boyle. Okay. I have got I've got Gallagher. Okay, so uh I this we said this movie came out in 95. 95. All right. I know how old Peter Boyle was when this okay. came out. Okay. Uh Peter Gallagher in Palm Springs, 65 years old. Peter Boyle was 60 years old. <laughs> That's absurd. He looks so handsome in Palm Springs. Um, the other one that you could easily throw in there is uh, as Sandy Cohen on the OC. That might be actually his that's like That's like, what, 15 years ago or something now? Yeah. Even well, longer? Yeah, not as long ago as 1995. Oh, no, I, I, I understand. I understand. Because let's see, he was born in. So he was. Was he 40? No. He was born in. Was he 40? Yeah, he was born in 55, so he was 40. Wow, he was 40 in this movie. He looks younger than that. Yeah. I he. I mean, he looks. He looks really handsome. And like, wait, so are you? Are you telling me that um, Bill Pullman was 42 in this yes. movie? Yes. <laughs> because my, I think my answer is Bill Pullman. This is the movie you talking about this inspired this category. No, it was. <laughs> was it Palm Springs? It was my. Yes, it was the reaction to Peter Gallagher in Palm Springs okay, that inspired just this category. five years older than Peter Boylan's. <laughs> like, I'm not proud. Not ashamed either, though. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be way worse. Okay. All right. So, so Peter Gallagher is 63 now or 68. Caroline, you run into him at a Charlottesville Alamo draft house. <laughs> and he's like, hey, do you want to do you want to sit next to me during the screening of Ant-Man and the Wasp? And yeah, I sit next to Peter Gallagher. And then he wants to go to dinner after. Like, how far how far do we take this with 68 year old Peter yeah. Gallagher? 68 year old Peter Gallagher. Um, I'll let him buy me dinner. I mean, he's probably he's, he's been, probably doing well. He's probably got some good stories. He's been married since 1983. You monster! <laughs> okay, well, look, that wasn't part of the discussion. <laughs> I might be I might be wrong. Um, I think he's only 67. He turns uh, 68 in August. Oh, okay. Well, that in that case, that changes everything. That changes everything. Also, the the bit of him in the poster for Sex Lies and Videotape is essentially all his just his eyebrows, which is yeah. which is a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so it's Pullman for you. And part of this is, look, when we talk about 
attractiveness in these i take it as a full thing it's not just the what we look like here right and bill pullman that's deep the vibes the vibes are are, are what puts him over the edge because again gallagher spends most of it in a hospital bed in a sure. hospital gown and his eyebrows are doing 90 percent of the work like and that's you know and i and he's going against corduroy's mcgee who's you know charming up the place okay who's tweet tweeting up the place <laughs> it's no it's 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 difficult you know it's a difficult contest again if you told younger me when i first saw this that i would <laughs> think either one of them were cute <laughs> be like what is it like being old and that is it for the best of 2023 in big screen sports if some of those episodes were of interest to you that you haven't listened to, by all means, go back. Everything on this, most of everything actually on this feed is evergreen. Um, we have a great year, a great slate coming out in 2024. A lot of movies celebrating anniversaries, a lot of stuff that we're going to do for rom-com month. Uh, we'll do another heist month. We'll do, you know, hoping to go 12 for 12 on live watches, at least one a month, maybe more. Um, so for me, from from Caroline, from everyone who has been on this show, a you know deepest thanks and gratitude to everybody for listening. And uh, we'll be back. Well, actually, Caroline and Alex will be back next week with a movie, and uh, and I'll be back talking to you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.